0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
1: Hi, this is Laura Ellis and this is Because There's More. Welcome to the show. Last week, I had the privilege to be interviewed for my very first show by Chris Cooper, my mentor and colleague. Um, He's an expert host on Voice America's Business Network because today um, he... um, recorded 160 unique shows and has almost uh, the highest number of uh, listeners in the network. So, I decided to do that because um, I knew that um, um, my next interviews will be with my uh, advisors. So, I wanted to show that I can experience and I can go through the same grilling they will be going through. I also wanted an opportunity to explain more uh, about uh, the organization and how it came about and how we engage with our clients. It was a great show. I really enjoyed enjoyed it. Chris is an excellent uh, interviewer. Um, And to my delight, Chris also felt that the content was so strong that he would like to have me as a guest on his own show, which aired last Friday. So Long story short, I decided in uh, uh, reviewing the content that although the questions were very similar to those asked on my own show, the content was somewhat different and the insights uh, were also somewhat new to the insights from uh, the first show. So enjoy the show and be ready to learn more about uh, how to make your business decisions better. Enjoy! <music>
0: Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm delighted to be with you for another show, and it's actually uh, the 160th unique episode of, of Be More, Achieve More. So wonderful to be with you, and I'll shortly be introducing my guest today, Laura Ellis. So We're going to talk about better decisions, better business. Um, firstly, though, I'd like to say a thank you to my guest last week, Janet Switzer. I have to say I thought the show uh, content was was fabulous from Janet. She's a uh, the marketeer behind uh, top people like Jay Abraham, you know, one of the world's most famous marketeers, and success expert Jack Canfield, who she helped to to leverage the value of their books and their programs and and gain the, the, the value uh, widely around the globe. And it was just amazing listening to her. And I shall certainly be studying that show myself with a fine tooth comb. If you've not heard it, I would recommend that you go into the archive and access it. It was also a real pleasure this week to interview Laura Ellis on her first ever Voice America show, Because There's More. The conversation really helped me to think through the decision-making process and appreciate the value of the topic. And I remember several months ago, Lara calling me for advice, having been a listener of this show, to help her decide whether she would do her show, her own show. And I thought that was a really smart thing to do, and it was a real pleasure that she chose to become a client of my elevation program too. So I now feel some real pride, and not only in my own show, but also in because there's more. And with a late postponement this week to the third of July for Chad Barr, I got an idea. How about if Lara was the guest on my show? Um, because it was so good interviewing earlier in the week. It would be great to do it all over again on Be More Achieve More. So I'm looking forward to introducing Lara to you and her unique perspectives on decision-making life and a little bit about her business tab. So let me fully introduce you to Lara. Lara Ellis is an innovator. She's a visionary with a career anchored in three vocations, educator, business psychologist, and entrepreneur. Dissatisfied by boundaries that restrict potential, Lara found purpose in employing her talent to expand the choices afforded to people. Now, one of the things I find fascinating about Lara is her background as she guided at-risk youth in communist Romania to thrive outside the limits imposed by a very, very oppressive regime. So a really you know, challenging and disturbing backdrop to her childhood experiences. So we'll ask um, a little bit more um, to Lara about that shortly. She went on to become fascinated by business and built a career in business psychology, uh, facilitating organisational transformations and helping to grow talent. Uh, she is far-sighted and enterprising. I think that sets her apart, and partly with her background, I suspect um, at odds sometimes with mainstream thinking. And I, I love people who are, you know, outliers and bring in new ideas and thoughts. And that's why she founded Trusted Advisory Board to reshape management consulting and meet today's business needs for dis- differentiation. And the Trusted Advisory Board, tab for short, creates conditions for senior executives to access a curated network of knowledge to make fast and accurate business decisions. And it fulfills Lara's mission to evolve how businesses run one business at a time. So a big welcome to Lara and um, I hope you're not now regretting that call a few months ago.
1: Absolutely not! I'm so delighted to be here twice this week. Uh, it gives me a chance to actually undo the buzzing from the first uh, first show where uh, you know my uh, my connection, my audio connection was not very good. So this is exciting to be here. Thank you for having me, Chris.
2: Oh, you're welcome. And it was it was wonderful to have the opportunity to be on your very first show, which uh, and interview you um, earlier in the week because uh, that that first show you never forget. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. So, Laura, do you want to tell us a little, a bit about your background in Romania, and maybe you know a bit about this uh, this regime? Because many people listening to this show won't have experienced that kind of a backdrop. You know, what was it? What was it like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have to tell you that I left Romania in uh, 1990. Uh, so it's been a while. And sometimes when I look or think back, I wonder myself if it was simply a dream because so many things were weird when you compare them to the lives of people who live in the in the Western world. So um, it the life, the, uh, while I was growing up in Romania, things have changed there very much. I mean, uh, I'm sure you heard of our uh, leader, uh, Ceaușescu. He was in power for a very, very long time, almost um, uh, 25 years. And... Uh, um, Initially, he was considered a good communist. I think he he started, uh, uh, you know, with a desire to help the people. But I guess what happens, uh, and, and, you know, my whole business is based on decision making. Uh, his whole decision making became biased and skewed by the power he was uh, absorbing into, into his position to the point that, uh, you know, we became a country of of absolute followers and people without identity and people without any um, any desire or willpower. You know, and we all became victims. And I, I often watch uh, um, Romanian movies that uh, win international awards. And I look at them and I think, oh my God, it, it kind of, it totally uh, stripped us of, of civilization and, and everything else. So um, I don't know how much detail you want to know about how he ruled but uh, the extremes in that society were uh, were unbelievable I remember if I may share a quick story at the time uh, after he was uh, caught and uh, when after the revolution and he was actually being hounded and found and then shot uh, they were um, going through and televising um, uh, they were going through his properties and televising you know the the possessions that he had I mean the guy was a Complete megalomaniac, um, and, and he had, for example, um, uh, uh, balances made of solid gold for uh, to weigh his dog's food. I mean, every single oh. piece of cutlery and crockery, uh, you know, was of fine china and and gold, and and yeah, his um, uh, he was weighing the dog's food in um, scales of uh, made of solid gold. While lots
2: of people were starving. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, I was a school teacher in a in a poor part of the city, and uh, in all fairness, I was quite privileged because my mom was part of the uh, nomenclature, so my life was completely different to other people's. In fact, uh, when I became a teacher um, in this poor uh, area of the city, it shocked me how how those people were living. My my pupils, which were I was a teacher for six to eleven years old children, uh, my pupils had never seen an orange in their lives and uh, uh, never seen chewing gum or, or blue jeans um, or uh, bananas. And and why I'm focusing on bananas and, and oranges, Chris, you'll find this very interesting because on an external or international Index. Uh, we were figuring as uh, one of the highest exporters of, um, of fruits of uh, uh, oranges and and uh, uh, lemons. And don't ask me why, but the whole communism uh, period was a huge lie. So, oh,
2: so that yeah. was um, that was because Ceausescu was basically selling all of your agriculture, yes, and your industrial production um, to to help uh, the foreign debt problem and leave the country with nothing.
1: Starving, absolutely, and and what what made it worse? I mean, um, there are things, absolutely, that I can look back and I thank uh, for having had that opportunity. I studied two languages since the year, since the age of three years old. I had uh, in in kindergarten. I studied both English and French, and I continued to study them for twelve years. So the education system was very strong. Um, I guess a way to give something to us, uh, but not nothing else. Uh, but, but what was interesting was that, um, uh, you know, uh, we had a very well-educated society that had uh, um, access to nothing material. So, we fed uh, off the, you know, the ideas and the dreams and the American and British movies most of the time. Mm.
2: And then you yeah. had, you had... Uh You know, things like the Securitat, the secret police, which, uh, you know, I've heard one of the most brutal forces, police forces in the world. I mean, how did that play? Well, um,
1: it's interesting. I have so many stories, Chris, that we could do. Two, three shows just on that. But um, um, the, the, the problem was that uh, I, I think people became so afraid that they were making decisions based on fear. And most of them uh degraded them as human beings and degraded the the interpersonal uh, relationships as human beings. So there are a, uh, a lot of there uh, a lot of spies or um grasses between us and amongst us, sorry. And you didn't really know who they were. You're just knew that they are everywhere so it's very difficult to express a thought or say something uh, uh, you, you know because the the most uh, absurd and you know benign thing like making a joke about Ceausescu, uh could have some bad repercussions there were there were people who would uh, make such comments and then they would never show up for work ever um, I, I have a Personal story, um, you know, don't want to go on about it, but uh, I, um, I was part of a choir. Uh, nobody had a passport, so as part of a professional choir, we went to an international show in Bulgaria. So when we came back, my mom uh, picked me up at the train station and said, uh, "Let's go for a ride." And I'm thinking, going for a ride after 20 hours on the train, not sleeping. What are you thinking? So we went into the woods. Um, and uh, my mom uh, uh, stopped the car in the middle of this, uh, the woods, and she said, let's take a walk. She had never done that before or ever since, and we walked, and then she said, what have you done? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you, you've done something because they've come to see me while you were away, and they said, is she coming back? if she's coming back, you need to send her to talk to us and hopefully we can do something about it. And my mom was quite senior in the nomenclature. So uh, in spite of that, we could never find out what it was that I was being accused of. Long story short, I was being followed for two years every day. I was never stopped or asked anything, but friends of mine were taking in and interviewed. So I lost a lot of Friends around that time. Uh, later on, there was a rumor that um, I, I never knew. I never knew what it was. But later on, the rumor was someone told me that apparently I was running an underground radio show, which is quite funny <laughs> to think now that um, uh, I started one. Maybe maybe they had uh, you know some powers of vision to uh, anticipate that will happen. Yeah, so it was a crazy world
2: my word so now now you can run one overground you can
1: absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes yes
2: so so the ability to make decisions then was hugely impacted
1: yeah, no. and and I and I think you know uh, I say to my clients, uh, you know that um, everything you have uh, you um, you have physically and you possess intellectually um, has the ability to be a plus or a minus. It's very much how you use it. So um, there's many things that I was impacted by. So I learned not to trust people. I learned fear. Um, I learned um, lack of loyalty, and I learned to pretend uh, I'm someone that I wasn't. Um, But at the same time, um, I also um, uh, realized that the sparsity and the challenges in the system caused me and other other compatriots of mine to develop somewhat stronger resilience and uh, ability to problem solve or or stronger critical thinking, if you wish. And in, in societies where uh, things come more easily, one does not need, does not require uh, that much, uh, uh, not that much thinking, but that much problem solving, a problems that sometimes uh, appear impossible to solve. I mean, um, it is very unfortunate. I, I uh, travel to Romania now and I, I'm f- Fortunately, they have this hang-up uh, uh, with, you know, with the mindset. It's still very communist. In fact, it's even worse because a lot of the time what you see in all of us, those who the have nots. Uh, now feel that it's their turn so there's a lot of bureaucracy and and in that way abuse and and people just become very rigid in and their decision making so we were uh, the the system was rigid but it forced us to think around the system a lot so um that's how i see that now
2: so uh you know having had your decision making process when you very sort of Limited, really. You've now you've lived in the UK and you now live in Canada, and I wonder, you know, does in in these environments where you've got the greater ability to make your own decisions, does that actually, and you do so in individu- at an individual level and at a business level, does that actually create greater challenges because suddenly you have to make more decisions.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that. There's a couple of uh, great uh, talks on TED Talks that uh, I could actually refer you to. I think I find anything to do and everything to do with decision-making fascinating, Chris. But uh, there's a a psychologist called Barry Schwartz uh, who talks about the fact that the freedom of choice has made us, um, has not made us freer, but more paralyzed and more dissatisfied. So because people put so much pressure on themselves when they make, that choice feeling that that what putting so much weight on the choice in and of itself that they actually become, um, become paralyzed in making the choice. Once they make the choice, then they become dissatisfied because uh, there's this tendency in our brain to, to hold on to things that are not good, to the negativity part of it, to seeing things in a worse uh, uh, perspective. Um, and, and therefore, once we make the choice, we feel um, somewhat that we've left something better on the table, so there's a couple of people, Barry Schwartz and Sheena Iyengar, uh, who talk about how can we make better choices because the the amount of choice doesn't really work for us.
2: I guess you also in, in this sort of environment where if you do make good choices and you have a sort of clear vision, you can you can um, move forward and succeed. But if you if you if you're not there yet, it can also be a frustrating place when you look around you and see other people who have.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and you know you talk about making the right choices and moving forward and succeeding. One of the um, many reasons that uh, I started Tab is just by, uh, because of of uh, watching my clients um, having the dedication, having the smarts, having the experience, and uh, putting everything, throwing everything into into the game to succeed either for themselves or the organization. Yet still somewhat missing it because they still don't know it's hard when you're in the middle of it to see what's that little thing that may make such a, a huge difference
2: absolutely well we're going to go to commercial break now and after the break we're going to really start to get into decision making and i found this you know really fascinating conversation early in the week with Lara. so uh, do stay on and uh and learn more about decision making and the decision making process we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes
0: Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let TAB Advance be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at Advance at TrustedAdvisoryBoard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisors' expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask TAB Ignite to work for you at TAB Ignite at com, and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. You are tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to ellis at com. Now, back to Because There's More.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Laura Ellis. And if you want to find more information about, you know, the show guests and the information that's the shows that are coming up, and also my take on shows, if you go to chriscooper.co.uk, uh, then there's a, a newsletter sign up there. And it's a newsletter that I aim to give you, you know, really valuable, useful information with. So do go and subscribe to that. And I just wonder now, um, Laura, if maybe we could talk about, Decision making and and how how do you define decision making?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked this question because just the definition in and of itself. Um, uh, points out to so many uh, of the uh, gaps in our own decision-making. So you can look at decision-making from two angles, Chris. One is uh, if you look at decision-making as the study of identifying and choosing alternatives based on the values and preferences of the decision-makers. So let's say you want to go on a holiday. You won't just jump on a plane and go on a holiday. You will think, okay, well, First of all, what kind of holiday do I want based on what your value or ve- based on what your preferences are? You will choose, let's say, between a uh, uh, relaxation holiday or a city holiday. And from there on, you, you'll, you'll apply not just financial measurements. You know, we often think that decision making is just putting financial or number value. There's a lot of value that goes with things we like uh, and uh, uh, a lot less value with things we don't. Like and that's uh, that's basically what decision uh, making is about. Uh, so what that emphasizes that is uh, that uh, definition emphasizes that. Um, To make a decision implies that there are alternative choices. So there isn't just one place, one holiday you can make. There's a number of them to be considered. Uh, And so in such a case, we don't only want to identify as many alternatives as possible uh, to choose from, but we want to define the one that has the highest probability of success or effectiveness, i.e. to get us to the end um, that we we have or to best fit with our goals. The reason I said earlier that the definition in itself gives uh, an entry into where we're making, uh, 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 you know, where we're having problems or challenges. Um, I don't know about your experience. I know that you work as a mentor and a coach and uh, you help a lot of businesses. But my experience is, Chris, that a lot of my clients get stuck into one decision and what happens is um it, it's almost like they don't know that making a decision it's about choices so give yourself your choices so what happens that i had uh, one yesterday It becomes so personal, that decision becomes so personal that it actually, it it, uh, prevents them from seeing that there are other choices and prevents them from being effective executives because that decision alone becomes a reflection of their feelings, becomes a reflection of their insecurity. Uh, You almost fight for something to prove that you're strong enough, whereas in and of itself, the process of decision making is about choices, at least two or three choices. Uh, The other part of the decision-making definition is that it's a process of reducing uncertainty and doubt about alternatives alternatives to allow a reasonable choice to be made. So in other words, decision-making, it's not about guaranteeing outcome. I think one of the things that stuck with me from the first day of decision-making in undergraduate psychology was when when the professor said... um, Even the best decision doesn't yield the expected outcome. And I thought, well, how can that be? Simply because once you make the best decision you can make, there are other factors in the environment that can influence the outcome. So to expect that just because you made the best decision, you get what you want, it's unrealistic. Uh, in fact, knowing that might release us, us from some of the pressure that we put on ourselves to achieve that decision. So it's really about reducing the risk um, rather than eliminating the risk. It, it's not possible.
2: Excellent. And I think uh, you know, you, what you mentioned there in you know, your example with somebody yesterday is sometimes you, you're too close to the decision, aren't you, and you just need to seek yeah. counsel from others?
1: yeah absolutely and,
2: and I, absolutely. I, I seek counsel from lots of people. I know you do and um yeah. it's it's not always easy when you're on the inside there to to see the the greater perspective
1: yeah yeah and, and and it's amazing to me i mean it doesn't you know i mean I hope you can hear it in my voice i'm absolutely fascinated in love with the thought and process of decision making and what it does for people, but it's fascinating to me uh to, to know that as much as I know about my own biases, I'm very insightful, I've studied psychologies, I've done all the tests and I know a lot about myself. It's fascinating when I, I go through a process of decision-making that later I, I evaluate to realize how off I could be because uh, there is almost nothing that can help you be um 100% accurate to the process of decision making because so many other things come into it so working in a in a group of peers like in your group your elevation group i mean it um, You know, the group that you run, TEP, uh, uh, where a group of us uh, discuss certain issues and and make kind of decisions for our businesses with uh, the input of of our other people in the group. It's just fascinating how much it can change your own decision and how much it helps you realize that you may have been off or you haven't considered something so important that may change your decision 360 degrees.
2: I I think... uh I think you're right. That's, that's why I have the, the element with people as part of TEP where I do some one-to-one work with them. But then I also have the group dynamic because what I recognize, I, I do not have a monopoly on ideas. And uh, other people can bring so much more to you know, a decision and a journey than just myself. So you know, balancing both, I think, yeah. makes, you know, the, the experience that I've got with somebody based upon where they are at the moment. But then having the group dynamic um, adds, adds so much more. Um, yeah because there's more
1: yes absolutely Chris.
2: <laughs> of a radio show call that yes <laughs> so what what problems do you see in business through poor decision making
1: well um so one of the things that I mean one could see the immediate uh you know the immediate problems if you think that a, a lot of the things in business have an immediate outcome so um One answer is like um, selection, selection of uh, selecting executives, like uh, the process of selecting. I have an industrial psychology background. There's a lot of science behind that. I studied for four years and then I spent another seven years doing it, so... There is a, one could not expect that a, a CEO would have had the same expertise that I did in selecting someone. So most of the times, those selection decisions are made on the wrong information, on on the wrong skill set, and we all know what's the impact to the bottom line of making the wrong hire, Uh, but that's more of an obvious one. In my perspective, and and this is again why I created Tab, is that ultimately you can connect every poor uh, business outcome. To uh, bad decision making or poor decision making at some point in the process, and you know, because the process of decision making is complex and we are complex, uh, there's always um, a point where things can go wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think I think we're in that recruitment example, what I I certainly found with uh, with recruitment uh, is uh, often. People don't recruit specifically to the to the job description that they need. They often recruit based upon finding someone like themselves, who they like.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely.
2: Uh, and it might be that it's an opposite personality type that you need in that, you know, specific role because it's yeah. you know it's maybe a role that you are out of your flow yourself, or you know you have a gap in. So, um, I mean, how how do you know though when you have made a great decision?
1: Um, well, I mean. Theoretically, uh, a great decision is the one that is bringing you uh, uh, most closely to the outcome that uh, you're looking for, right? So, um, normally, you will get what you're looking for by making that decision. Um the way to make a better decision, and and again, it, it all depends of the of the nature of the decision. I mean, we make decisions every single moment of the day, uh, and most of them are are very easy decisions to make, and we make them without even knowing that we made a decision. You know, like the choice of words, or or recognizing that that's a car and we shouldn't cross the road. That is a decision in and of itself, but we don't think of it as a decision making. A decision. But when it comes to more complex decisions, um, it, it is a lot um, uh, better if one uh, allows the time necessary in order to. Um, um, Bring together to gather the relevant data in order to balance one's thinking style and mindset with different advice and, and other people. And those are all elements that are likely to elevate uh, the quality of a decision making and bring it closer to achieving the final outcome. If um, um, did that answer your question, Chris? I think
2: I think it. Yeah. Um, I think it do. do I think you. Well, again, I think it's. Uh, I, you know, I wonder if if sometimes. You know, a great decision might be, you know, might be a feeling or something that you see around yeah. you as a result. Uh, I, I wonder if, uh, you know, if, if you, I always, I th- I always think that your, you know, what's around you at any one point in time is, is a kind of a mirror reflection of the decisions you've made over the last couple of years.
1: Yes, so. uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's all, you know, we, we live in a system, so uh, uh, nothing exists, uh, or at least in my opinion, and uh, I'm sure I'm not the uh, uh, the only one uh, who follows this school of thought, but, you know, uh, things are, are interconnected uh, in different ways and, and the decisions that we make absolutely uh, dictate um where we are and what's around us. Uh, It's interesting because a lot of the times the decisions we don't make um, are still a decision. Uh, that take us to to a certain end. So um, I talk a lot of the time um, when I used to, in my former life, I used to do a lot of um, uh, interviewing of uh, senior executives for selection. And, um, you know, if I would ask them, how did you choose this career? A lot of them would, um, a lot of the time people would say that um, uh, was um, it just happened or uh, they happened to be in the right place at the wrong time. Um without perhaps realizing that, uh, being there, it meant they were not somewhere else. If that makes sense.
2: Mm. That, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so is a, is that an ideal process for making a great decision? I mean, is there a sequence to it?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a great question because interestingly, uh, when you compare good decisions with poor decisions, there is no difference really in the process. Uh, the, you know, um, uh, anyone would uh, uh, decide uh, the outcome first, uh, gather the data, and then start processing the data uh, towards that outcome. So the process is very much uh, uh, similar for a good decision and a bad decision. The challenges occur um, uh, at, um, you know, the challenges, there are two types of challenges that occur. Uh, One type that I would say uh, easier to control uh, because you're aware of them so for example you wouldn't make a decision without having the relevant information so absence or lack of information relevant information is actually uh, an important criteria of, uh, of a good decision so you will go and gather the, the accurate or the relevant information uh, you also wouldn't make uh, a decision without the right uh, knowledge or without the input of someone uh, if you know they exist of someone who's had that experience so those are things that you can control it gets a bit trickier when um when uh, the decision is influenced very much by by your thinking style. So, again, um, having done years of assessment, uh, one can see huge differences between people who are risk takers uh, because they make decisions in a certain way, and what they typically do, they don't have contingency plans. I'm one of those people. Um, And then uh, the other ones who are more conservative and and, uh, make great planning decisions, um, but... They are always finding a reason why not to throw themselves into the bigger, um, into the bigger, you know, into innovation, for example. Um, so that creates a lot of challenges for large corporations who are run by very conservative chess players uh, to actually invest into innovation product uh, projects, which by their nature are risk taking. Right.
2: Mm. There's a bit of there's a bit of a I guess your approach to decision making is is you know probably influenced as well by by your personality style and where you 're naturally in your flow um, yeah. because there are some people who actually don 't seek out uh, that level of information and uh, sometimes will make a decision without seeking out knowledge from people who experience they make their decision based on a gut feel
1: yeah, yeah.
2: there's others who couldn 't make a decision without that information and without having done their research so I and mean, I wonder from your perspective where does this um this gut feel fit into the process is it is it is it helpful or should yep. it be more diligent
1: so um so I, I I have very strong opinions because uh in in many ways when I hear people using uh, and and saying gut feel i I made a decision based on gut feel my gut hurts because it worries me <laughs> uh, but but if I translate gut feel as being intuitive thinking um uh, very few people know that there's two type of intuitive thinking there's the expert intuition and what I'm I'm referring to for example if you're Chess master, it it takes you, you start to see the the game of chess in a different way than you and I, Chris, would look at it, right? So it it doesn't take long uh, for you to to predict what's going to happen in the next uh, two, three moves, where someone who hasn't done it won't have that ability. So that the expert intuition becomes more a matter of memory it's a recall you you go in your brain you remember where you've seen it and then bang you've got it so that's great the problem is just because you have the expertise in that or you're an expert doesn't mean that you have expertise in other fields and I've assessed a lot of finance people for example uh, in the past who would jump to conclusions nothing to do with finance and, and be wrong because they became overconfident on their expertise uh, the other part of god feel is simply guessing um, and that is dangerous because it's just a matter of chance like it's like throwing up a coin and the chances of it coming heads or tail is 50-50 it's gambling yes it is
2: it's gambling isn't it I suppose people do that on shares and uh, and the roulette wheel uh, Yeah. so I, I think there's a really really we're gonna um, go to commercial break in a minute but there's a really important point there that's you know, what is your intuition based on? Is it based on years and years of knowledge which have, uh, are sort of sitting there in your subconscious so then when you reach for that intuitive decision it's uh, very likely to be a good one or is it um, just a, a good feel that's not got any firm foundations <laughs> and yep. therefore you definitely need to seek that information and the knowledge. Um, yep. Is is that a fair summary?
1: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what's trickier is that you can be an expert. And after years of being right, you start being right about things that you know nothing about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or start. you think you're right. You start making uh, uh, statements that make you believe you're right about things you don't know anything about. And then it's just a guess. So that's equally dangerous Uh,
2: so you're you're assuming that you know the answer and and people say assume that you're making an ass out of you and me I think that's what yes yes that's
1: what they say
2: (laughs) we're going to get a commercial break now and after the break we're going to look at some of the traps that we've got to be careful of and uh, and, and maybe um, the kind of people that we need to look for to help us to make better decisions so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes so do join us after the break
0: Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advance be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at Advance at TrustedAdvisoryBoard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisors' expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com. And make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. You are tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More.
2: Hi this is Chris Cooper I'm with Laura Ellis. We're talking about better decisions and better business and um, before the, uh, the break we were looking at the decision-making process uh, and uh, actually in the break, Laura, you were just sharing with me yeah. a, a wonderful quote which I thought was, uh, was well worth sharing with the audience actually uh, yeah. uh, from somebody I know that you, you, you studied and really admired. Yeah. Do you want us to share that with us?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I am so pleased that you gave me the opportunity to mention your name, uh, his name, sorry. And if anyone out there knows Professor Daniel Kahneman, who's a professor uh, of psychology at Princeton, please tell him that I would love to interview him on my show because I created the show in his honor, uh, reading his books 12 years ago. Um, So Professor Kahneman is a perhaps uh, the greatest uh, living psychologist uh, through the work that he has done. He's a Nobel Prize laureate and he's a founder of behavioral economics. And and together with his partner, who unfortunately passed away, Amos Tversky, uh, they studied uh, judgment thinking um, for years and years and years. And, and, and it's interesting because when you read um, uh, the work by uh, uh, those two amazing people, you read things that often come to you as, this is common sense. I've heard this before, it makes sense. the difference that it makes to me and to anyone out there who's really scientific about uh, their lives and they like to be very grounded into facts uh, it makes a difference to me uh, because I know the number of hours that he spent into coming with those statements the research into people's behavior, into their brain activity, into their reactions and everything else. So one of the things that he said and I was sharing with Chris that Something happened the other day that kind of threw me off my game a bit. Um, is remembering him saying that nothing in in life is as important as it is while we are thinking of it, and and what that tells us is that the brain is wired, or what it tells us from uh, from his perspective, is that the brain is, is wired um, in a way that keeps living in memories. So so. Um, th- Keeps bringing up memory, plus it has a wired in tendency to think of the uh, negative things uh, more than um, uh, the positive things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And and you kind of, when you think about something more, put put a meaning behind it, because we're we're all meaning machines. We're seeking meaning, and it it can, uh, it grows, doesn't it? And it can absolutely become become all all encompassing when actually. Uh, it's uh, not actually that important.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's all, I mean, it, it would kind of lose control of it. Like you know, uh, because after all, thinking and everything that you know, it's it's just uh, electricity in our brain. So so, what happens as you release one thought, it releases ten others. So the notes start to firing, and it completely loses control of your whole you know thinking process. And by the time you're done with it, you're depressed, and uh, the world is turning upside down. Whereas the reality is, it was never as bad in the first place. He, he tells this story about a student of his uh, that was going through, and I can't remember, again, the experience. It's a TED talk with uh, Professor uh, Kahneman. But um, he, 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 uh, in happiness, yes, if you want to look it up, it's about happiness. But um, he talks about a, a student of his who was uh, undergoing this experience, um, experiment, rather, and in the last 10 minutes, uh, something happened. So the chap goes, this oh god, this ruined my experience. And and the um, uh, the professor goes, how can it ruin your experience? Your experience had already passed. Like how can it ruin it? Because it's gone. Mm. Uh, it, it's your mind that is affecting what has happened and what was happening. Nothing was ruined. I mean, it's it's amazing what we do to ourselves. Honestly, <laughs> I
2: sort of, the little, little technique I do when I've got things out of proportion is I kind of imagine yeah. myself in a in a spaceship just approaching Earth and looking down on the globe. And then I ask myself the question, is it really that important in the scale of things?
1: Yeah, (laughs) no, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to have that ability because a lot of the time we don't even realize that we are. Uh, and the reason for that, if I may very quickly, um, uh, you know, uh, Professor Kahneman in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, he describes our mental activity in terms of two different characters, system one and system two. And by the way, he does that because, again, our brain is wired to accept or, or uh, take in information uh, in the form of story a lot Uh, more easily than it would in disparate information. So there are no system one and system two in the brain, but he's creating those two characters for us, the readers, to remember it better. Uh, So he describes system one as the the system that uh, is active all the time. We use that one for thinking and operates automatically and quickly with little or no effort. Uh, as uh, whatsoever uh, and no sense of voluntary control where system 2 is the one that allocates attention to effort um uh, uh, you know to um choice uh to computation um but what happens most of the time it is our system one that takes over the thinking. And in most situations, we are right because we've done through we've been through those situations. It's a quick, easy decision. Uh, we are making the right decision. But in other situations where a complex decision needs to be done, it is incumbent on the system one to call in system two, to wake it up and say, come and help me with that. Unfortunately, outside of our knowledge, system one still jumps in to solve a complex problem because it substitutes the complex problem with a much simpler problem. And we don't even know that that is happening. So he gives this example of a a chap who went to um, a a car show and he came back and shared with Professor Kahneman that uh, he's invested a lot of money into uh, Ford uh, stock. And um, he was asked, well, how did you do that? And he said, well, because it's going to do well. Uh, in reality, he had no way of knowing that. It would have required complex decision-making, analysis of stock price. But what, in fact, he decided on, he decided on the fact that he liked the car, which was very much a system one decision.
2: Mm. Fascinating. We have to go back and study this interview, I think. There's uh, a lot, lot to think about. Yeah, um,
1: yeah.
2: Um, just sort of mindful of time. We've got about five minutes before we need to wrap up. And I wonder, you know, what sort of people should we find to help us make better decisions?
1: Well, I, I wish I had a, a straight answer to that. Uh, the reality is that uh, uh, The reality is that it would help to ask different perspectives from people who are less like yourself, uh, which is why uh, there's a huge problem with uh, white male boards of director uh, everywhere in the world, and for sure in North America, um, because once you are surrounded by people with uh, uh, similar thinking, your decision-making doesn't get as challenged as if you are surrounded by people with different ways of thinking. And believe it or not, just a difference in gender uh, will stretch uh, that decision-making style uh, a lot more. In fact, when you are people like yourself, you're surrounded. Um, uh, There's a professor at MIT who calls the, the echo chamber effect. You're really just resounding your own decision. It keeps hitting walls, but it's really the same. So it is important that that you do seek counsel from people with different backgrounds. However, uh, the you know um, information from your field is also important when you um, when you make a decision. Um, information from other fields could be uh, relevant, but in different ways. And then on top of it, uh, you know someone with understanding of psychology and cognitive processes to tell you, well, you are a bit of a risk taker. I think uh, uh, you are coming at it from the wrong angle and maybe you should consider this and that. Um, that would be a great uh, you know, combination of someone from your field, someone from a completely different field and different orientation of thinking and someone with some knowledge in cognitive processes.
2: I think that's sometimes why people... In in companies, for example, you know do need do need people like us to go in yeah. and and challenge and see something things from a different perspective because they do get stuck into their you know their absolutely. habits and way of doing things, don't they?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Um, I mean, you have um you have uh, this organisation um, tab that you're you're developing mm-hmm. and growing, and know how how does it help make people make better decisions? And who are your advisors?
1: Yeah. Well, minute, we, what? <laughs> Yeah, what we've tried to do, Chris, is just to play that uh, personal advisory board uh, in a virtual way. So basically, when people need to make a decision, they have access to someone uh, to actually plug in uh, the information a- as it's needed. So if you think of someone completing a puzzle, um, they don't even know what's missing from their puzzle, uh, but they need to complete the picture without the right pieces, they will complete the wrong picture. And and our role is to come in, and that's my vision. Our role. Is that we come in uh, and we just uh, help them see what's missing and help them get those pieces. Um,
2: so that makes uh, makes makes sense. And you're just you uh, you know just in a sort of minute. Your people, yeah. You you have uh, people in your advisory board who are you know yeah. senior roles in companies, aren't they? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I created this dual layer. So there's a, la- a layer that works for my organization that, that interfere interacts directly with a client. But then I have the experts behind me that give me the the field experience, the, the tenure, the expertise, the running the company, being finance people. So all of those people are actually employed and they are facing similar challenges and similar decisions that my clients do. And uh, it's been an amazing uh, way of actually allowing uh, business leaders to make faster decisions because what our organization does uh, give, brings to their fingertips the right information or right example for them to make the, that decision that much faster and in the right direction.
2: Excellent. I wonder now, do you, do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with?
1: Yeah, I, I think that in spite of everything I said, I don't want people to think that uh, we're not good decision makers. We are, uh, but to also be aware and and uh, have an interest, seek uh, seek to understand your own biases and how you trap yourself, and and find ways as much as you can to to balance those out because we do have the control uh, to do that. And uh, keep in mind, and don't kill yourself if your decision doesn't pan out because there isn't any decision. Um, if it is a decision, then you can't control it hundred percent. You only control it if it's an algorithm. So, I
2: think I think the point you made uh, you know earlier about you know a not making a decision is a decision because yeah. s- sitting on that fence can be a painful, painful place to be. Um, but actually, the consequences of that could be significant to be just ignoring yes. something, pushing under the carpet. I-
1: Absolutely. And if I can say this, like for leaders, again, like I work with too many leaders who are such uh, planned uh, chess players that they hesitate to make uh, a decision um, uh, until they have all the relevant data, um, uh, s- studies, research, uh, history. I don't know exactly what to quote in here, but uh, as a leader, as a very senior leader, you're much better off making the wrong decision than not making the decision at all. So that's my Final words,
2: and that's what you pay for. You pay to make decisions. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I just want to say, um, you know, thank you, Laura. Thoroughly enjoyed you being on the show today. Been been great. Lots of really good information there, and uh, I shall certainly remember that. Nothing in life is as important as when you're thinking about it. Um, so, uh, th- thank you so much. If you want to find out more about Tab? Go to trustedadvisoryboard.com. If you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me. You can send them to Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And I'm delighted next week. We've got a fascinating guest next week. Um, our next um, week's show is with turnaround expert Patrick Rettig and had a wonderful conversation with him last week. He's uh, He has some really interesting and unique perspectives on turning around businesses, but not only that, turning around life. Um, I think you'll find him really fascinating. So once again, uh, thank you, Laura. I hope you enjoyed being on today.
1: I loved it. I'll come in. Any other time, I'm here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're welcome. You've done a tremendous job today. I think this, uh, there's some really fascinating content. It's been lovely to talk to you. Um, so I wish you all a wonderful uh, week.
1: I hope you enjoy the show. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern, and 2 p.m. GMT. Next week, uh, I'll be hosting Rochelle Oakley. She's one of uh, TAP's advisors, and Rochelle is the president and CEO of JabbaCat, Inc., an organization she founded uh, in the last couple of years. Make sure to tune in and learn all that can be learned from Rochelle on how to make better decisions and grow a better business. Have a great week and find us on trustyadvisoryboard.com or on Voice America's Business Network because there's more.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More join laura ellis again next monday at 6 a.m pacific time 9 a.m eastern time and 2 p.m gmt on the voice america business channel be sure to tune in because there's more